Welcome to the Nonprofit Voice, which is brought to you by Nonprofit Pro, the go-to resource for nonprofit management and strategy. For our Nonprofit Voice tech series, join Mark Becker, founding partner of Cathexis Partners and editorial advisory board member for Nonprofit Pro. In each episode, he will welcome nonprofit executives and technology partners to discuss the latest nonprofit tools to help your organization navigate the rapidly evolving technology landscape. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. Mark Becker here, the founding partner of Cathexis Partners, back again to talk about um, nonprofit technology solutions and, and stories from the trenches uh, for folks. So have a great um, topic to cover today. Um, and let's go ahead and kick it off. Maxine, you want to go ahead and introduce yourself? Yeah, Mark, thank you for having me. I am Maxine Tatlanghari. I'm the Director of Development for the Los Angeles Chapter of American Lung Association, and I also serve on the board of directors for the West Hollywood Chamber, Chamber of Commerce. Nice to have you. Thanks for thanks for joining us. And Nick, you want to go ahead and introduce yourself? Absolutely. My name is Nick. I'm the co-founder and CEO of Kaleidoscope. We're a, a platform that connects nonprofits, corporate um, partners, and influencers to better scale impact and measure the efficacy of those partnerships um, to scale even more impact. Um, you know, through various means, whether it's influencer marketing, streaming, or any other type of collaboration um, that is relatively new to the space, we work um, to connect those three stakeholders and, and build impact. I love the concept. What got you going in this direction? Yeah, I mean, just from a from a you know professional standpoint, I've been based here in Los Angeles for a better part of almost seventeen years, mostly focused in advertising technology, so building. Uh, solutions for advertisers to better target their audiences on on digital and social media. The past seven years or so, maybe eight actually now, has been mostly focused in influencer marketing. So I've been kind of in the very, very early days before the, this whole concept of the creator economy, before there were hundreds of thousands of influencers. Um, I've been doing it a long time. Um, but from a personal standpoint, I'm a cancer survivor. I'm a Make-A-Wish kid. And I've been a part of the Make-A-Wish family ever since they sent me to Disneyland when I was three. And when the pandemic um, started to shut things down, the first thing I thought of was, are what are nonprofits going to do now that they can't do in-person events, which is, as we know, a, a big source of revenue generation uh, opportunities, right? And so knowing the advertising space and knowing how marketing was, was trending and how there was billions of dollars in corporate social responsibility and cause marketing sort of whirling through the ecosystem, I knew that brands would spend dollars directly with organizations in a larger capacity if there were better measurement to what exactly those dollars were doing. And I also knew that if I could approach a, uh, an influencer um, with a nonprofit that had vision and value alignment and a corporate partner that also had vision and value alignment, that I could get those influencers to amplify those collaborations and those partnerships. And that was really the early sort of thinking around Kaleidoscope. And we just did it really just because we were trying to help. Um, and as we did a couple of them early 2020, we realized that this is actually a, a viable business and a really great opportunity to introduce nonprofits into the world of influencer marketing to enable, you know, better opportunities to, to scale awareness, to increase engagement and ultimately to drive funds. Well, I'm assuming a pretty perfect storm for timing of all of that, considering the pandemic. I mean, a lot of horrible things with the pandemic, right? But um, yeah, your influencers uh, were already in the right places on the right channels and and uh, being heard and wanting to be heard more, right? And uh, so I'm sure that was perfect timing. 
Yeah, no, we, we kind of say like if there's any, any silver lining in sort of that time in the world, it was it, it really forced everybody to think outside the box and be innovative and try new things. And so it def, I think if I were to try to do this, you know, four years ago with no pandemic, I think it would have been a lot harder to see adoption. But um, again, one of the, I guess, silver linings of all this is that it was kind of right place, right time and, and really was able to help connect some dots. I kind of have to agree with that, Nick. You know, I've been with American Lung Association for five years. And prior to that, I had my own e-com business, which I built largely through influencer marketing. So when I went back into the nonprofit trenches, I knew the power of influencers and social media to be able to build a brand. But it just wasn't something I think that the organization was ready to do because it has a little higher risk and you've got boards to have to report to. And um, it was a little bit unknown, but when the pandemic hit and we looked at two galas, you know, the traditional in-person chicken dinner gala, new $200 plus per plate. We looked at those two, two events and we thought, well, what are we going to do? How do we pivot? How do we stay relevant? It was the perfect time to explore this again for our organization. And um, Nick was the perfect partner because, especially because he does have that ability to measure the impact and look at the data. So that was something we were able to deliver back to our boards and people that are making those fiscal decisions. Um, is this smart? Is this viable? Is it um, working? So it was absolutely the right time for us. So yeah, how did you pivot then from the in-person chicken dinners to <laughs> tell us it more? Was yeah, it was really that. It was an idea that came um, from one of our executive son. He's young. He's in his 20s, 30s. He thought it would be so cool if there was an off-field, off-court talent show using pro athletes um, to do a talent show and, and raise money. And so one of the boards also loved the idea. And they had um, Tony Gwynn Jr., baseball player, now an announcer, father, also um, Hall of Famer. And so we just had some of the right connections to pull this off. And our executive director, Francis, knew Nick from a previous uh, Make-A-Wish, actually. And so she thought, oh, this is great. I know someone who can help help us with that and help make sure that we're measuring it. And also Nick reached out to at that time to some baseball influencers he knew. So we were able to get that early traction and really amplify this new format of what we were doing. So it was a lot at that time, I think, of getting the board buy-in and then aligning all the right resources and then using some of those tried and trues, you know, email marketing, paid advertising, um, organic social and um, pulling all of those threads together in a comprehensive digital marketing campaign, which we still run to this day um, together. <laughs> Nick is really my partner on that. Um, and so that has evolved over the past couple of years. Now we're in year three and it's become a pretty well-oiled machine. Nice, yeah, as, as we were kicking off here today, um, you, you were talking and mentioning that you're just kicking off the third, third iteration of this. So that's, that's great. You know, I'm sure the, the growing pains or the learning curves are all in the, the early years, right? Crawl, walk, run. But it sounds like you already were off and running with the, the very first event. We first had to. Campaign. Yeah. yeah, we really had to. And, and there were just other things. You know, we had another woman who's on our board with, at that time, a million Instagram followers. So we then kicked off a just a mini campaign with her because she's a, an actor as well and was at home. So again, to your point, she had time. She had the ability to shoot. 
So we were able to create campaigns and um, work with her to raise funds at that time. So we were just really looking at how do we get creative with um, these influencers that are already in our house um, and on platforms that make sense. So it's not a whole full on build out, but feels pretty downstream. Nice. And and what kind of results? How does it compare? Or is it kind of an apples and oranges thing or compared um, to the galas in the past? It's it's holding true right now. You know, it's it's really holding true, but we do think that there's such room for exponential growth. You know, one of the things that we say if a million people gave us one dollar, that'd be a million dollars, right? It's the Obama way of raising funds and awareness. And with this type of a model, that is possible, right? It, it's sure. possible. And I think that's not possible. I mean, I guess it is if you bring in sponsorship at that level. Sure, it's possible. But the other thing that we need to look at is the cost ratio was also very, um, really, really efficient because these players generously donate their talent to this mission. Um, lung health is so important. Healthy air is so important to everybody. So it just made a lot of sense. Um, and we have the right talent wrangler on that too. So. That's awesome. That's awesome. Nick, can you provide a little more color and kind of the services that you helped kind of to add to all of this? Yeah, I think the the big thing that that I just want to highlight, I think, is the the cost portion of this. I mean, I think doing and we saw this and and I'm hoping that we continue to see this. So I'm seeing a lot of organizations kind of ditch these um, these virtual events because I know that there's some some fatigue around it, but they are still very, very valuable. And there is a lot of opportunity there to, to Maxine's point to sort of iterate and and scale in sort of our new world, which is somewhat hybrid now back to in-person and we're all feeling really good to be around each other. But um, the costs of, of these virtual events can typically be significantly lower than uh, in-person events. So that, that's really important. But I think what I love most about these virtual events, again, I'm super biased because I've been in digital media and digital marketing my entire career is that you can measure everything and mm -hmm. you can have a ton of hypotheses around what you think is going to work and what you hope will work. And then you can test very quickly. You can iterate and you can pivot. I mean, one of the early things that we I always like to say um, about our first uh, you know, collaboration together on the first season of this Champions Unite is that we thought there was going to be uh, one or two different types of marketing channels that we had always known worked well, that had lots of reach um, and lots of engagement historically. Uh, and when we tested it, it didn't. And when we did some of these other things on social media and worked with some of these influencers, that worked really well. And so we were able to really quickly pivot because we were able to measure everything. We could pivot in real time and really start to focus and shift budgets or even redu reduce mm -hmm. costs further. Um, or, or invest in things that were driving results in a much quicker time frame, as opposed to waiting a year later to do sort of a, a debrief or, um, you know, or, or sort of an optimize the next year. And so I think that's really important thing to really talk through is like making sure you're measuring everything. Um, and even to the point where when we saw certain influencers and certain platforms worked, we could see that when um, even certain messaging and certain images that we use on these platforms worked mm -hmm. um, in certain ways and, and started to optimize towards that. So one of the big things that we always stress is really around the measurement component. It's really in our DNA, um, not only to enhance how campaigns are run and really make sure that they perform well, but what we also do and what we believe is a, a really big and important factor sort of moving forward as corporate partnerships evolve is taking all of that data at the end of the campaign, 
synthesizing it in a way that's digestible and sharing it with your corporate partners. This is what your dollars did. This is how mm -hmm. we used it. This is our efficacy of our partnership. You did, you provided $10,000 of amazing collaboration this year. This is what 15 or 20,000 could do next year or 50,000 or a hundred thousand or whatever the, the case for support may be. And so you can really use that data to provide much more transparency and confidence into what, um, you know, those corporate partnerships actually do. I do want to piggyback on that too. What it also affords is availability to other buckets of money, right? We don't just have to go to sponsorship dollars that are allocated in Q4 of the previous year. We can tap into marketing budgets because we're able to turn around that data so quickly in languaging that marketing departments are looking for and the transparency that they require. And so it just afforded us other channels to be able to tap into. And I think, you know, when we talk about influences, you think about someone who has 40,000, 50,000, 1 million followers. But to Nick's point, each of our influencers gets a trackable code so we can see where traffic is coming from, how it converts. What we saw was that some of our board members who are business people would, with maybe 200 followers on LinkedIn might have a higher conversion. So I think when our boards were able to say like, wow, I'm an influencer, right? I'm a business influencer. Like my, I may not have the million and maybe I'm not driving thousands of eyeballs to the website, but I am driving people who will pay $50 for that experience or donate X amount of dollars because this is the honoree that's involved. So there were just so many different ways to measure success in real time. This all just resonates and, and not just in dollars and funds raised, just the awareness and yeah. The awareness. Talking, yeah. yeah. And talking to the point of, you know, what you can share back to your sponsors and all the profiles of folks that you're connecting with and, and uh, are hearing the message and seeing their logo. And, and yeah, that's got to be huge. And I, I love what you said there, Nick, about, you know, being able to to turn on a dime and really back up your hypotheses as far as, you know, what's working and what's not, because so many times you get these kind of standard galas um, or other peer-to-peer -peer fundraising events, golf outings, and you just make a lot of assumptions and think, oh yeah, mm -hmm. we got these people sign up because of this email or because this person knows. But yeah, being able to track all that to that minutia and be able to turn it on a dime is so important. Yeah, we had a great example. Um, we had a recent influx of traffic right before our paid campaigns started. And Nick and I were on our data crunch meeting and we thought, where did this come from? <laughs> Why did this happen? And so we really, we dug in and we got super granular in terms of where is the city that this traffic came from? Because Google Analytics will give you all that. And we tracked it back to a rally. It was hmm. an old school in-person, you know, 30 people in a boardroom rally that then turned into hundreds of eyeballs because, but we, we were really a little bit, and again, we say it took us so long. It took us like two days, but um, because that's how quickly we work together, right? We were, we're pretty able to say, okay, that was it. But again, we were on our hypotheses and then we had to dig in and it was a rally that happened. Hmm. And so we're, and so then back to what works and what doesn't, we're like, okay, more rallies, right. more rallies equals more. Let's do it. Like that's something that we can execute. So, so where are you at in the cycle for this next year then? Um, our event is Thursday. <laughs> Champions <laughs> Unite season three uh, produced by Spectrum Sportsnet will be on Thursday. And we have great support from players from the Lakers, the Dodgers, the Rams. Uh, so we're really excited about that. And so our digital marketing is in full swing right now. And um, Nick and I will be digging into the data at 1.30 today as we go into this final <laughs> countdown. Nice. Yeah. Well, yeah, good luck with that. And uh, Thank you. We'll keep an eye on it. Uh, this will mm. 
already have happened by the time this airs, but um, see if we can share some some links to it after the fact. Um, Absolutely. And that, that's another exciting. thing, right, is that you can take the show and put it on YouTube and continue to have it drive traffic and awareness after the fact, which, of course, you can do that in a gala. You can hire a videographer and certainly have someone film the event. But it's not quite the same thing as this ability to to watch it, to see it on repeat, to go to the website and see it. Um, the other thing that I do love about this model is it's inclusive. Not everyone can spend $250 for a dinner and a silent auction and the dress that you have to wear to a gala and all of that um, in terms of logistics. But you can certainly watch something on TV this year. It's free to vote. So it's incredibly inclusive. Um, and diverse. So I think that it allows people to have that gala type experience without having to invest the gala dollars that go along with it to, to be a part of it. Yeah, and I think that hybrid nature is really important moving forward. Like everybody's used to think that in person is what you have to do and the pandemic costs that you have to learn another way. And mm -hmm. hopefully the net out of all this is let's go hybrid and, and make the best of both worlds and make it uh, available to everybody to do interact with you how they want to, right? Yeah, meet people where they're at. Exactly. Nick, any any other thoughts, any recommendations, any suggestions for folks that are considering going into the, getting into this space, trying it out? I think, yeah, I mean, my biggest recommendation is just because we're past the pandemic doesn't mean that this isn't a viable opportunity and option. I think that there, what I have noticed is that, and understandably so, that there is a little rest on the laurels kind of going back to the way things were prior to the pandemic. And I would hate for, for all of us to lose the learnings of all the great innovation that we tried and tested and continue to take at least some of that forward to continue to test. So I, I mean, this is a testament. We're in season three and uh, we're still doing it. So I, I think that there is a lot of opportunity to be really creative and to continue to, continue to test these types of executions um, to generate awareness, engagement, and ultimately some type of action, whether those are dollars or, um, any other type of, of main KPI that uh, an organization is trying to achieve. So I just, I hope that we continue to test and, and iterate and make these things even more fun and more engaging as we continue to move forward. Yeah, well, it does say a lot that they're back for the third season um, and uh, looking forward to seeing the results. Uh, Maxine, any any final thoughts or advice? No, I think we really covered it. I, I agree with Nick and I think that the pivots can continue to happen within the campaigns, right? We're in season three, but we just brought on board a 16 year old influencer. And so we'll be, yeah, so really excited about how does that play out? You know, he's a little younger. We really um, involved a lot more women this year in the event and a lot more children. So we have a 10 year old uh, baseball player, Valentina, uh, who's part of it and the 16 year old influencer. We're still inking the deals. That's why I don't want to say his name, uh, but he's fantastic and really passionate about youth anti-vaping. So to Nick's point, if, if nothing else, look at the youth, because this is really how they talk, right? This is where they are. And if we talk about meeting people where they are and the future sustainability of your organization, you got to engage in ways that are meaningful to that demographic and and it's digital <laughs> it is definitely all right well on that uh note thank you both so much and good luck on thursday and thank uh, you <laughs> yeah thanks everybody for joining thanks thanks guys thanks for listening listen to more episodes at nonprofitpro.com as well as on apple google and spotify